With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Not only was he the first Democrat elected to the office of governor in Illinois uh, in 26 years, he was also the first Illinois governor to be impeached, later known as federal prisoner number 40892-424, after being convicted on public corruption charges having to do with the U.S. Senate seat being vacated by Barack Obama when he became president. To this very day, Governor Rod Blagojevich uh, insists on his innocence, and having reviewed his case extensively, he's absolutely right. Uh, because what Rod Blagojevich and I, frankly, have both been through, and because we both recognize that it's very similar to what President Donald Trump is going through today, well, that's really why I invited him here uh, to think that uh, Rod Blagojevich was born to politics is to misunderstand him. He was born to a blue-collar family in Chicago. Rod shined shoes, delivered pizzas, worked in a meatpacking plant when he was growing up. He also worked two summers on the Alaskan pipeline. Thanks to the sacrifice of his parents and his continued hard work, he attended and graduated from Northwestern University, went on to get a law degree from Pepperdine University. He was an assistant state's attorney for Cook County, Illinois. He was in the Illinois State House, and in 1996, he was elected to the U.S. Congress, where he served until 2003. He also clerked for the legendary Chicago alderman, Eddie Vradoliak, who I actually once actually met. Uh, in 2002, his personal version of the American Dream became true when he beat the odds to become the 40th governor of the state of Illinois. Uh, as I indicated earlier, uh, in a controversy over the vacated U.S. Senate seat of Barack Obama, Rod Blagojevich was falsely charged with trying to sell that seat. Uh, but uh, that is bogus, as you will hear, and I'm very, very proud to welcome Governor Rod Blagojevich to the Roger Stone Show. Let's say our slogan here at the show is, if you're indicted, you're invited. And Rod Blagojevich was indicted, but he is not guilty. In fact, I would say Rod Blagojevich did nothing wrong. Governor, welcome to the Roger Stone Show. Thank you, Roger. And neither did you do anything wrong. Thanks for that introduction. So let's uh, go through your situation quickly, because I think it's appropriate that we set the table, because, uh, as you say in a Politico piece this week, uh, President Donald Trump is being subjected to an entirely politically motivated uh, and bogus series uh, of uh, criminal indictments in various jurisdictions. But I've really studied your case very clearly uh, and what's extraordinary to me is that it really surrounds, uh, centers around, I should say, tape recordings in which the government alleges that you tried to sell a vacant U.S. Senate seat, 
but the government neither would let you testify nor would they actually play the tapes that uh, these uh, fabrications are alleged. To me, that seems pretty outrageous. So walk us through the witch hunt to which you were subjected. Sure, Roger. Well, let me just start out by saying to your listeners, uh, the service you're providing to them by giving better explanations to things that people mostly see superficially based upon headlines and how the news outlets cover news. Um, and what you're doing when you point out what they're doing to President Trump, and thank you for what you said about my circumstances, is I think the greatest constitutional crisis in American history since the Civil War. What we have now are these weaponized criminal prosecutors who've injected themselves into the political process, engaging in police state politics. They're political hitmen, and they trump up things that aren't crimes and criminalize them because they can't beat somebody in an election or they're afraid that somebody else might actually win an election. What they did to me at the AAA level to a Democrat governor all those years ago, they're doing today at the major league level to a Republican president and leading presidential candidate Donald Trump. And it's unbelievable that they're doing this in broad daylight and half the country believes it. Um, and so I think what I can do and my, with my little voice that I have and what you're certainly able to do with your radio show and some of the other uh, vehicles that you have to dis- disseminate information is to do the best we can to try to wake up the American people to this unbelievable threat because this goes to the very heart of our freedoms as Americans, our right as a free people to self-government, to choose our leaders in elections that are free and fair and not contaminated or destroyed by these prosecutors who have uncontrolled power, unlimited resources, and uh, frankly advance their careers by going after high-level elected officials and taking them down. Um, So having said that, I'll tell you that I learned how rigged the system is. I used to trust the system. I thought those prosecutors were the good guys. I have to still believe that most of them are, but I think those that are involved in the the political process, I think they're wicked, I think they're evil, and I think they're a bigger threat to our country than any outside uh, foreign power um, because they're going to undermine freedom from the inside. And I would never give in. I fought back. They tried me not once but twice. They failed to convict me on their fake corruption charges at a first trial and then tried me a second time. And what they were able to do was they simply moved lines and they criminalized things that were legal. And among the things you talked about were those FBI tapes. They made tapes and they recorded me on telephone conversations and uh, for a period of six weeks and played only 2% of those tapes. They took the ugliest ones where I'm using profanity and things of that sort, but they don't, they, they took them out of context. And when we asked to be able to fill the context and actually complete the conversation, I was denied that uh, at the trials, and to this day, I can't get those tapes heard. There's a gag order on it. And when I see what they're doing to President Trump, it's all deja vu all over again. I really, truly believe they see my case as a test case, and these prosecutors today in all those different jurisdictions, all Democrats, by the way, and political operatives is what they are. What they've done is I think they study what what was done to me, and they're using it now against President Trump in Georgia, in Washington, D.C., in New York State. And it's uh, – my heart goes out to President Trump and his family because I know how hard this is to go through. You, Roger, you've experienced it yourself. You know how hard this is, this is to go through. But in that political article, I talk about how brave he is and how proud I am of him 
as a citizen of this country that Donald Trump is standing up against this and is not afraid to talk about things. Because when you're innocent, you get on the stand and you talk. Yeah, I uh, I think that these uh, prosecutors, uh, our power is turbocharged uh, by a media which is either lazy or complicit. So the facts or even the other side of the story literally never gets aired. I remember very specifically uh, when you were going through your crucible and you saying repeatedly, play the tapes, just play the tapes. The tapes would have established context, and I think, in this particular case, uh, you can read it several different ways. Some places they say uh, you were trying to sell a U.S. Senate I've found no evidence of that. Other places say that you were maneuvering to, to save the seat for yourself. I think we call that politics. I think you were convicted of engaging in acts of politics. Uh, is that not right? No, that's exactly right. You know, I'm writing a book, and the book is basically this, Roger. It's a story that starts with President-elect Obama and ends with President Trump. And in between, there's me, a former governor from Illinois, in prison, as you say, is inmate number 4089244, in a higher security prison behind the razor wire, where my home was a six-foot-by-eight-foot prison cell, living with Crips and Bloods and Sorenos and Nortenos and, you know, Aryan Brotherhood uh, uh, gangs and all these others, including murderers. They put me in a higher prison. And I have all kinds of stories. I think it's an interesting story. But it began because Obama sent an emissary to me on the night before his election saying that he would like me to appoint a woman by the name of Valerie Jarrett as a senator. And his emissary was a big labor boss by the name of Tom Balanoff, mutually friends with both of us, supporters of us. We were Democrats. And uh, he uh, said, Brock wants me to know, wants me to ask you, what do you want? Can I come and see you and talk about it? So what Obama did was politics. It was wanting to make a political deal. And the next day I'm on the phone and I got done running something like eight miles. It's cold. I was stretching on the floor. I'm talking to one of my aides and I say, you know what? Somebody suggested we should just make Obama happy and, try, and not make any political deal. And the both of us on the phone said that would be naive and a missed opportunity. And I said, quote, unquote, this is effing golden. I'm not giving it up for nothing. Now, by itself, what does that mean? If the next sentence is I want $100 million in a Swiss bank account, you got me. That would have been criminal, but it was not that. It was there was none of that anywhere. And they arrested me as a sitting governor. You're no stranger to this either. Six o'clock in the morning with SWAT teams around my house. And I, I, I take great pride in the fact that I compare myself to you a little bit, Roger. I was Roger Stone before Roger Stone. They had SWAT teams around my house. And uh, the night before, I'm on those FBI tapes. I had decided what my senator was going to be, and it was going to be a deal that was going to be very good for the people of Illinois, and Rahm Emanuel had agreed to be the go-between. But I could never get those tapes played. And they arrested me before I could actually pick the senator. Now, they convicted me on the Senate seat with fake jury instructions, but eventually the appellate court reversed those charges. They said it was nothing more than routine political log rolling. And yet, as Winston Churchill said, a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to put its pants on. And I've got my pants basically up around knee level, Roger, because I still can't get this you know, that lie off of me. People still believe that. At least some do.